Hello, and welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some mostly friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? Jeff, it's been, a, it's been a while since we dropped our last episode, probably a week and a half. We did our debate preview, so lots happened. You're just a traveling man. Yeah, it's lots been going on. <laughs> We're going to get to our debate discussion, um, our thoughts on that. We'll save for the back half of the episode. Okay. But uh, lot, lots been happening in the, uh, the realm of gun violence in America, unfortunately. So that's going to be probably our main topic today. So get ready for some heavy shit, everybody. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking, Jeff. You ready for some, uh, some brews news? Absolutely. Cool. We have a first today, and that is a bourbon that we're drinking. Typically, uh, for our listeners, you know, we've been mostly IPA and lager guys, and decided to mix it up because our topics are a little heavy, and figured bourbon is the, the way to go. <laughs> so this week, we have the Black Dirt Bourbon from the Black Dirt Distilling uh, Company in Warwick, New York. So that's uh, kind of on the, the border of North Jersey, just right out there. And I did some research into what, why it's called Black Dirt. And apparently there's this whole region called the Black Dirt region that goes from South Orange County, New York, into North Sussex in Jersey. Okay. And it's like really close to where Pennsylvania, Jersey, and New York all connect. Gotcha. So there's an old like marshlands area that got drained out. They put canals and now people grow like rye and corn and... Now a bunch of distilleries popped up. Huh. So cool just stuff. a little little history for you all. <laughs> We're drinking batch 13 of this bourbon. I picked this up while I was up in uh, that area. I was staying in Nyack, and they had set up a booth at some farmer's market. And then I decided to stop oh, really? by. They gave me a taste test, and I was like, hell yeah, get me a bottle of this. It's good stuff. It's a pretty smooth whiskey. You know, it's 90 proof, 45% alcohol by volume. Not very syrupy the way some whiskeys can be. It's thin, definitely, but not watery. Important distinction there. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some oak and vanilla taste to it with a little rye at the finish. And really, just the finish of this is long. It really lingers on the tongue. Uh, I've been drinking this for the last hour or so. Uh, Jeff, I don't think you've actually tasted it yet, so go ahead and put that in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I did so willingly. <laughs> World wow, that is, consent. I can, yeah, I can really taste the vanilla there. That's, uh, that's really good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to make you choke on it while you... Uh... you definitely ling- it definitely lingers on the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, I needed a good, good little chuckle yeah. there. I really like this bottle. It's got like this old-timey vibe to it. I feel like I'm in like Westworld. That's a, real, that's a really good bourbon. Yeah, I, I love this. It's, it's it's great. It doesn't. It's not overpowering by any means. No. It's a good sipping whiskey. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, you don't yeah. need. You <laughs> don't need. Uh, you definitely don't need ice. You don't need a mixer here. Nope. Uh, that's a good watching a game, sit on the couch, a little afternoon golf, maybe recording and, uh, a podcast. You, yeah, you got that going on. That's uh, watching the news. Yeah. <laughs> maybe then you do shoot shots. I of might it. need an extra bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, good stuff. Good, good pickup, man. Yeah, this this is great. So check that out. Uh, the Black Dirt Bourbon out of the Black Dirt Distilling Company in Warwick, New York. Love this stuff. So that brings us to the news portion of the pod. And Jeff, if you'll indulge me here, uh, I just got some things I want to get off my chest about what's gone on in the last week and a half in this country. So over the last week and a half, we've seen three mass shootings, not including all the other gun homicides and suicides. We had these three mass shootings. 
One of them at a food festival in California, three people dead, over a dozen wounded. We had one in El Paso, Texas, 20 people dead, dozens more wounded. Another in Dayton, Ohio, less than 24 hours later, that left nine dead, about two dozen wounded there. And man, I'm just getting sick of talking about mass shootings. And we've gotten to the point where you mention a mass shooting and people have to ask you which one you're referring to. We've got a major fucking problem in this country. And now members of our government were so quick to blame the usual suspects for violence. Now we've got the uh, mental illness and lack of prayer and increased secularism in the country. They even blamed video games at one point, which is mind-blowingly stupid. And we'll get to why all those excuses are bullshit later on in the episode. But I mean, first I want to focus on the one glaring admission from the blame game here. And that's Donald Trump's own rhetoric and that of the people that support him. So like, let's, let's go back to his 2015. Donald Trump kicks off his campaign by calling Mexicans rapists, right? And then literally three months after his inauguration, we have the events of Charlottesville, where he said there are fine people on both sides of the equation there in a protest where one side were literal Nazis. Now, Donald Trump's the president of the United States. He's the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful seat in the world. His words matter, and they influence public discourse whether he likes that or not. Yet day after day, he continues to fail to grasp that he bears some responsibility for stoking these tensions. And even worse, he revels in it. If you go back to his campaign rally back in May, he was in Florida. And he's talking about immigrants. And he says, uh, how do you stop these people? You can't. And an audience member shouts back, shoot them. And that should give everybody chills. And Trump jokes in response to me. He goes, that's only in the panhandle. You can get away with that statement. Only in the panhandle making light of the idea of just shooting immigrants crossing the border. On top of that, he's been running Facebook ads for the last year and a half, about 2,200 that mention the word invasion, all talking about the border wall and immigration. He's been using that as his rallying cry for so long. And it's not just Trump, it's other members of the GOP. You have um, Senator from Texas, John Cornyn, who tweeted in June. We're talking just a couple months ago. He says, quote, Texas gained almost nine Hispanic residents for every additional white resident last year, end quote. And if you can't read between the lines there, you're just being willfully ignorant to this point. So this really should not be surprising that some bigot sees these messages as validation for their hate. Before shooting spree, the El Paso shooter posted a manifesto on 8chan, a message board, and he said, this attack is a response to the Hispanic invasion of Texas. He's using Trump's language here. When you dehumanize people of a different race, you get monsters like this who are going to treat other people like animals. We have this growing white supremacy problem in this country. Donald Trump's stoking it. And I don't care what you call it, domestic terrorism. Terrorism is terrorism. And it's time that we start treating that shit as such. So I know this is running long, but this just infuriates me to no end. We could talk about the Dayton shooter. You might say, oh, this guy wasn't a white supremacist. And there's no indication right now that he was. But this is a guy that kept a hit list and a rape list back in high school. Yet he was allowed to buy a gun. An ex-girlfriend was on um, CNN the other day, told reporters how she was afraid of him. He used to leave threatening letters to other ex-girlfriends. And he had this obsession with violent acts and shootings in particular. There are all these red flags, but he was able to buy a gun. And police responded to that Dayton shooting in 30 seconds. 30 seconds, and he still killed nine people and injured 26 more because this guy was able to buy a gun. And then so we hear these stupid, tired excuses from Republicans about empty thoughts and prayers, and none of them have the courage to stop it. It's infuriating. 
We take our shoes off at an airport after one guy tried to ignite a bomb in his shoes. In the 1980s, Jarts, a metal lawn dart game, was completely banned after one seven-year-old girl died after being hit in the head. Also in the 80s, seven people died taking poison Tylenol. And then three months later, we had laws for tamper-proof packaging in place. And now every bottle you open is a pain in the ass, right? So don't tell me there's not things that the government can do if they want to. And before someone tells me, oh, well, you know, the uh, Constitution doesn't protect shoes or Tylenol or jarts. Well, these terrorists and murderers are also not participating in well-regulated militias. So just spare me that twisted logic bullshit. I don't want to hear it. The fact is there's measures that can be taken right now in this country while still upholding the Second Amendment. And our Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, is just too cowardly to even debate the merits of those bills on the Senate floor. We need to pass red flag laws. We need to start banning perpetrators of domestic violence from purchasing and owning guns. We need to pass universal background checks, hold people accountable who sell legal guns at gun shows. And then we need, almost as important, let the CDC study gun violence. They're, right now, they're banned from using federal funds to study gun violence because of the gun lobby, like the NRA. They study every other public health crisis. They can't do gun violence. So close this out. I mean, I, I, it's so easy to be run down by the news. I, I totally get that. It makes me sick every time I see a name of a city trending on social media. And my first thought is, oh shit, there's been another shooting. But more than that, more than making me sick, it makes me angry. And it should be making everybody so angry. And angry enough to actually get off our asses and just stop complaining about it on Twitter and make calls to your Congress people and your senators. Call them, write them, tell them to do their goddamn jobs and pass legislation that the overwhelming majority of Americans support in this country. Because the next shooting is probably only a week away. And with that, I need some more bourbon. <laughs> um, well said. And, you know, I personally, like I've said on here before, my wife is Mexican. She's from Mexico. And to watch people get targeted specifically for their color, their race, um, where they're from is not only disgusting, but it's, it's scary on a personal level for me. You know, it, it's, it's scary that I have to think things like, wow, you know, both of my daughters are very, they came out very Caucasian looking, they came out very white. And to think that, you know, we live in a place where I have to think about that. Hey, maybe they're safer. And that's, you know, that right there, if, if you're listening to this and you're not condemning this, to think that people have to really sit down and look at their family and be like, wow, you know, my kids are a little bit fair of skin and they might have an easier time. They might not get targeted by somebody with a gun is it's fucking disgusting. It's scary. It makes you very emotional. Like it's 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 the most fucked up thing. And, you know, you did mention and we have had some Republicans now come out, obviously ones that were close to it, like Mike Turner from Dayton, Ohio, who's yeah. a Republican, came out and said, you know, he supports the background checks and red flag. So let's let's point this right where it needs to be pointed. This is on Mitch McConnell now. Yeah, um, absolutely. Regardless of what other senators, we could have 50 Republicans come out and say they support this. If he doesn't allow this to be brought to a vote on the floor, it literally doesn't matter because he's he's blocking this. It's gotten through the House, and he's just completely saying we're not voting on this. We're not bringing it to the floor, period. And it's stuck, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it's ridiculous that the Senate bylaws are the way they are, where the majority leader can decide what is brought to a vote. We have to change that. We're in a really fucked place with this. Definitely. And, you know, sad. It's, it's infuriating if you, if you can't tell. Um, 
And we do want to say, you know, everybody that lost somebody, <laughs> family members, anybody that was affected by this, you know, no one wants to hear thoughts and prayers anymore, but yeah, our hearts are with you. Like yeah, that's, that's awful. I can't even imagine. So let's talk a little bit about the aftermath. What's happened since those shootings. We did have Donald Trump came out, gave a scripted speech, read off a teleprompter, which thought real presidents didn't have to do. That's what he said. Yeah, he did say that. And denounced white nationalism, but too little too late, Donald Trump. And he didn't immediately in his first responses to this. We got thoughts and prayers for Dayton, thoughts and prayers for El Paso. That's what we got on his main platform, which is Twitter. That's where he talks now. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the information from. Definitely somebody came to him and said, listen. Yeah, this doesn't look good. You got you to gotta say something. So. Right. So, and that's why he's reading off the teleprompter. And the, they know if he goes off script, the man is incapable of empathy. So his speech is not going to help heal any wounds in this country. Nine times out of ten, they make them worse. We haven't necessarily seen it yet, but I'm willing to bet he completely undoes everything or undermines everything he said in that speech yeah he'll do it when he gets to a rally yeah absolutely yeah he'll 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 find some way to kind of back off it a little bit make it sound more to his base Mm -hmm. let me ask you have you ever seen a time when a disaster's happened and the the areas where it happened in are basically have told the president no thanks bud not in my lifetime um yeah no i mean everybody's scared now till you saw i think it was today a car or a motorcycle backfired in times square and uh, people, it was a, they thought it was a gunfire. People were running and trampling people, and it yeah. was uh, scary stuff, man. It's definitely, man. I, I'm sick of pundits and newspapers and talking heads just falling into the trap that Donald Trump lays with those scripted speeches. Even the New York Times, their headline after he gave that speech denouncing white nationalism, the headline was "Trump urges unity against racism." <laughs> Completely ignoring the fact that he has a hand in promoting that racism. New York Times did change that title after backlash, that headline, but the damage is done. And now the right has a talking point where they say, oh, look, it is such a liberal paper. They just, you know, they have to cave to the pressure of. No, they corrected it. It happens all the time in newspapers. It's (laughs) always horrifying. Uh, And like on the topic of the media, do you see this better O'Rourke clip? Yes. I think (laughs) we're going to play that for our listeners actually right now. It was, I think, a masterclass in how we should start handling asinine questions from the media. Yeah. So Beto O'Rourke was asked by a reporter whether he thought Donald Trump's rhetoric played a part in the El Paso shooting. And this was his response. Just briefly, sir, can I just ask, is there anything in your mind that the president can do now to make this any better? Uh, what do you think? Um, you know the shit he's been saying? He's, he's been calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals. Um, I, I don't know, like, members of the press, what the fuck? Hold on a second. You know, I, 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 it's, it's, these, um, it's these questions that you know the answers to. I mean, connect the dots about what he's been doing in this country. Um, he's not tolerating racism, he's promoting racism. He's not tolerating violence, he's inciting racism and violence in this country. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know what kind of question that is. He's made, he's made guys- as vulgar as that clip was, Beto's got the right idea. Good job, man. Uh, I loved his response there. It was impassioned. That's actually, that's what led him to have a pretty successful run in a red state. That kind of honesty and speaking from the heart. And if you're more offended by his language than the idea that 
Donald Trump is stoking racial tensions in this country, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, attack him for it. Get the fuck out of here. He swore. Whoop de doo. They act like Donald Trump has never said fuck before. And it obviously, Donald Trump reacted to that because he saw and he attacked him and that his name was pandering to the Mexican culture. And it's just so gross. But like, that's more politicians need to start talking to the press like that. You don't have to be as vulgar. Fine. But you need to just call them out for their bullshit questions that they know the answers to. Tell them, connect the dots. Yes, we already know the answer to this. Stop wasting my time. Hopefully this is a trend that starts. Hopefully this was a little bit measured by him saying, you know what, we're sitting here and all these things are happening. We just keep playing by the rules. We keep trying to be do this with grace. We try to do this. We try to be above everything um, and give benefit of the doubt, do this stuff. And it's, we can't do it. We're not going to win this fight being nice or playing by the rules. Now you got to start doing this, get some, get some airtime with this. Cause this is going to get played. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's got to happen. And before anyone accuses me of liberal bias on a show called drinking liberally, um, uh, I will bring up John Cornyn's tweet about the Dayton killer, because we did mention before Dayton killers, as far as we know, not a white supremacist, but did like Senator Elizabeth Warren for the for her campaign that's going on for president. So John Cornyn tweets, the Dayton killer was a left winger, but don't blame Sen Warren. And he means that sarcastically, um, if you can't grasp that uh, from, from my reading of it. I'm sorry, but I don't remember Elizabeth Warren spouting violent rhetoric at campaign rallies and comparing immigrants to, or people of color for that matter, in Baltimore living in infested areas or people that are invading our borders. He knows he's the president of Baltimore too, right? Yeah. I, I don't not No, I wouldn't put it past him to okay. not know that. Okay. <laughs> curious. Elizabeth Warren isn't using that same language. It's a disingenuous comparison as you can make there. So let's get that out of the way. And it's just bullshit. To, it's yeah. not disingenuous. <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah. And they do such a good job of controlling the, the narrative and the news cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Get that out there. Get that being talked about. Take the focus off of the El Paso shooter and the facts we have, mm-hmm. the actual written words he has. Let's get this out there. Let's get this conspiracy theory out that he's a left winger. So look, both these two are the same. Right. So we shouldn't be blamed for this because we have to blame the Democrats for this one. So we're even. It, it's a false equivalency in the at the highest regard there because it's not the same. And Having an ideology is not the same as killing for an ideology. Everyone has their own set of beliefs. You can vote for whoever you want. Doesn't mean that you're killing for that. But in the case of um, El Paso and California, we know damn well what they were killing for. They told us explicitly that it's tied to that kind of rhetoric. Yeah, I didn't want to. I I read that manifesto. It's it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, let's just, that's as good a segue as any to, jump into a little more about like 8chan because I've had a couple friends ask me like what the hell is 8chan yeah I was going to ask you to kind of yeah and because I've I've looked at 8chan before and it's on you have to go to the dark web now to find it Um, so you need a tour and we're not going to get to the technical aspects of how you (laughs) get to it um, because I don't need anyone else looking at it (laughs) (laughs) but it's a message board an anonymous message board is all it is no one has usernames everyone pops up its name anonymous it stems from 4chan which you might remember those hacker collective that called themselves anonymous. They do that because all their usernames show up as anonymous. Ah, That's why okay. 
they call themselves that. So 8chan is made up of people that were kicked out of 4chan, which is a cesspool of hate, bigotry. These 8chan people were too extreme for them. So they had to go make their own board where white supremacist propaganda reigns supreme, among other things, like pedophiles and shit all congregate on these boards. It's horrific. These are the so worst, like the worst place on earth. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Every time there's a shooting like this, they celebrate. Really? They're excited about this kind of stuff. It's a game to them. The El Paso shooter posted his manifesto on 8chan right before he started his rampage. That's where it first got posted. And then outlets have picked it up and run it everywhere. And I wish it was not available, but it's out there. Well, and by the way, anybody that's saying that mental health issues, this was the definition of premeditation. So Yeah, he yeah. knew what he was doing. <laughs> and it's related to, the reason I'm bringing up 8chan is this is the third mass shooting tied directly to 8chan this year. The other ones being the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand. Same thing, the guy posted on 8chan about his urge to kill people posted his manifesto there be right beforehand, then went out to kill all of those people. And then we had the synagogue shooting in San Diego earlier this year, I believe in April. Yep. Also ties to 8chan and these groups. And it's become a competition where they talk about body counts as if it's a fucking video game where they just want to top the last person. And Well, don't say video game. So I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what uh, Fox News and Republicans want you to think about. Um but they, they did gamify it, though. Yeah. They're talking about, like, top scores, and they're talking about body counts when they say that. It's despicable. And they're all congregating, goading each other on, and every time you're in a, a bubble like that, you're pushing people further and further to the extreme. This is how Islamic terrorists come to be. It's this exactly, is exactly the exactly. same way. They're and indoctrined into it through yeah. hate. It, it's exactly the same thing. That's why we need to start taking this seriously, and white supremacists need to be treated as a terrorist group in the same way that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are treated as a terrorist group. Their recruiting methods are exactly the same. They go online to these dark websites where they find people like-minded and they slowly indoctrinate them and say, read this propaganda. Go read Might is Right or go read the Turner Diaries, two very popular white supremacist uh, pieces of don't propaganda. Don't read those, guys. Yes, please don't, don't read them. <laughs> um, but those are, those are piece, writing materials that a lot of these shooters talk about as being influential. The California shooter quoted from Might is Right on his Instagram before he went into that festival and shot people. Kids. Children. Uh, children yeah. died. Yeah. Children died there. Six-year-old. God. And then you see, again, I mentioned like the Turner Diaries. That was a favorite of Timothy McVeigh in the Oklahoma City bombing. This goes back further than we want to admit as a country. We haven't fixed the racial issues in this country, clearly. But we're allowing all these people to congregate on these boards and just continue to goad each other into more extreme behavior. So I'm actually glad that currently they've been deplatformed. So they do exist online, um, the HN site I'm referring to. You might be wondering, why doesn't anyone take it down? Well, there are security companies you can hire to protect your websites. Most common, they want to protect you from DDoS attacks, which is they just send an insane amount of traffic to your website until right. it crashes. Bomb it, yep. Yeah. And that's the number one kind of line of defense that these companies offer. And after the shooting in El Paso, after the 8chan ties were revealed, Cloudflare, which was their security service, dropped them. And they were offline within a few hours because there are people out there, good hackers, I guess yeah. we can call them, right. who try to take this shit down. 
Uh, they're currently looking for another home, and I'm sure they'll find one. 100%. But I went back and forth originally wondering, is this a good idea to take it down? Does this hurt law enforcement because they won't be able to keep an eye on it in the same way? But they, they're they still going to find another place. And if you need to go further into the dark web to find this material now, I think that's a net benefit for everybody. Right. Because now you're not getting a random teenager who doesn't really know much about... But he can find 8chan. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Can currently find 8chan. Now he can't. He's not being exposed to that message. I think that's a good thing. So that's kind of where I came down on it after a little bit of debate internally about it. But uh, as the more we can deplatform these people, the better. Yeah, I mean, it's in at the end of the day, this is again. You read this stuff; it's white people feeling like they're being <laughs> oppressed and losing control. That's all it is. Crazy. Um, I thought it was economic economic anxiety. <laughs> Some of it. I mean, they'll they'll point to that. Yeah. Um, you still see the old racist tropes of losing our jobs, and it's just uh, it's, it's got to be fixed. Wild. And I can tell you what it's not going to be fixed by eliminating video games or putting prayer back in school. I saw a lot of the prayer back in school stuff. I yeah, saw it's that. weird because, like, when was the last – I mean, you know what? Maybe we do need prayer because no one has ever killed in the name of religion, right? Correct, yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, it's just also racist. You put prayer back in school, then you're saying – here we go. One religion. Right. Uh, it's got to be our religion. Yeah, when they say prayer, they mean Christianity. Yeah, yeah we're not doing any... <laughs> yeah. no, no Muslim stuff going to be going on there. Judaism. Like, they know exactly what they're doing and what they're pushing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it's gone, you know, where we would like to see some limits put on guns. Now we're seeing Fox News and Republicans saying, listen, put a guard with a gun at every public event, mall, school on every floor. You know, not to go on with this forever, but people in Walmart had open carry in the store and weren't able to take them down. Yeah. These people that have these guns aren't necessarily trained in de-escalation or killing somebody in these situations. Nope. More people are going to get shot. And Innocent even worse, people. way worse, when the cops come in, they don't know who the shooter is. Right. So then they can't act because they can't just start mowing people down. Nope. There's nothing good about any of these ideas. Yeah. And that was uh, Sean Hannity who has the ear of our president, ladies and gentlemen, and apparently talks to him on almost nightly basis. Yeah, I have exactly. He said, I'd like to see the perimeter of every school in America surrounded, secured by retired police. Have one armed guard on every floor of every school, every mall, in the perimeter, and inside the hall of every mall. This is what he wants to see. If that idea doesn't scare the shit out of every listener, then I don't know what else to tell well, you. Well, I'll draw back point. to what you said. First of all, it's all in reaction times, right? You said in Dayton they got there in, what did you say, 30 seconds? 30 seconds, seconds the police responded from the reports of the first shot. Fired. So we're suggesting that all these retired officers are going to be able to react quicker and de-escalate faster than people that are trained and are active right now. And it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. We shouldn't even discuss it because it's so asinine, but yeah, I did want to put that it out really there. It really is. The, and just strange to me because the, the gun crowd, the most fervent fanatical gun owners, say that they have the right to own the guns based on the Constitution. So if there's some theoretical uprising, they can fight back the oppressors. Yet we have Fox News talking about putting state? cops. <laughs> On every single corner and every floor of a mall and creating what you just said, a police state. It's a police state. Yeah. Great. So which one is it, guys? Make up your mind. Uh, they just want the money from the NRA. Um, it's all this is about. And uh, just, I want to touch on the video game issue, too. When people are blaming video games. There's no correlation with any of this. No. Video games exist across the whole world. Mental illness exists across the whole world. Yet we're the only country with this gun problem. So is it the video games and mental illness, or is it maybe the guns are the factor? 
Yeah, the I'm, access to guns. Did you play video games growing up? I currently, I still play video games. I played. I am currently playing one right now. <laughs> I played every single version of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, and I've. Did never, you start stealing cars? I've never had the desire to just gun down a random civilian on a sidewalk. It's and, just it. It never. And I don't want to put this to the side. Mental health things are an issue here, and yeah, if you but are mostly in well, self harm. Well, just saying, if you and again, but if you're predisposed and you have some issues and you are put in front of these things, but this is exactly why owning a gun should be like owning a car. You have to go take tests. You got to drive the car with somebody. You have to, you know, you go through tests to do this. Mm -hmm. That's all we're asking. We're not asking to get rid of the guns. Let's just screen the people that have them. That's it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It seems like common sense at this point. And yeah. And it will never happen. Just because I played Call of Duty yesterday doesn't mean I have the urge to go kill people. It's, and it's all because it's such a again, ridiculous argument. Again, Mitch McConnell. And that ties back, like, call to action, everybody. Call your senators. Call your congresspeople. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to put it on our website. You can get those phone numbers for any district that you're in, any state you're in. Call them and tell them that enough's enough with this. And a lot of our candidates, I know we're going to kind of transition to that, did kind of push this. Pete for America pushed it out and got 10,000 calls in the first hour. Um, 17,000 the first day to the Senate. So there are some people out there. That's the only way. Just get loud. All right. That's enough gun violence for this podcast. Unfortunate that we even have to bring it up again. Yeah, let's not have to talk about ago. this again. Yeah, it'd be nice. So let's do a brief debrief of the debates from last week. Let's have let's a do let's this have real a sip. quick. Let's have a sip before that. Yeah. You won't drink it straight out Delish. of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just go real quick, break it down, uh, night one, night two. So night one kind of came out the way we predicted it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, did what she had to do. Bernie Sanders, I think, did what he had to do. No real major victories. I think they just, you know, they're ahead in the polls. They just kind of ride that tide and didn't shoot themselves in the foot, which is nice. Um, Marianne Williamson, I'm sorry. It's time to go. Yeah. Get out of there. We need to really narrow this field down, but... I think as far as the uh, the top contenders there, who I'm still going to say just Warren and, and Bernie, I think they did what they had to. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think anybody that's guaranteed to kind of get in this next slot when it's cut down to 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever it is, just don't don't lose it here. I think they all probably caught a little bit from Biden stumbles in the first one to be like, eh, let's just kind of get through this. I think they did their part. Yeah, I think all the people moving on, I think Pete was good. Warren was good. Bernie was good. They're all going to move on. We're going to see them again. You know, I hate to say it because Beto came out strong with this, but I, I didn't think this was good for him. With I the thought, gun violence responses, you mean? Yeah. And I, I do think, though, that it's time for him to go back and run for a Senate seat or, you know, go, go challenge somebody where he can make a difference because it's not his time on this part. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I would include Mayor Pete as well in that group that did what he had to. Didn't, well, I, I mean, don't think he moved the needle either way. I don't think any of those major three did. Yeah, that, the highlight coming out of that for me with Pete was when he went after the Republicans in, in, in Congress and talking about how their careers were going to be looked at if they're supporting this. I thought that was kind of the soundbite that stood out the most because everybody else was pretty measured. A lot of attacking each other until we cut this down a little bit. I think it's going to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. I just want, can I chime in real quick? I want to uh, shout out Marianne Williamson, though, for doing one good thing, which is that crazy viral clip about race, which was fantastic, actually. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll give her credit where credit's due yeah, there. So we'll share that. We're only doing that website. much credit, though, because yeah. if no, you go back on this lady, she needs to be out of here right now. This is a yeah. joke that she's even in these. She's got oh, a lot yeah. of problematic views. So 
but that, problematic. Yeah, but that was an understatement. <laughs> that was a fantastic summation on race in America. Though, yeah, but so she, we'll need, she needs to go away now. Oh, yeah, she does. But I think you're right. That message, Yogg's, does resonate. Yeah. And don't attack Obama, please, Dems. Leave that alone. Yeah. Don another hill. All right. Let's talk about night number two. Um, so this is a little more complicated of a night. Uh, the, the field of contenders, I think, was a little broader. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Biden probably didn't hurt himself on it. He had nowhere to go but yeah. up, considering the first one. You know, again, same thing with him. Just kind of, let's, yeah. let's get through this. I, I count it as a win just because he survived the debate without having too many major gaps. He did have a few. Oh, for some sure. comical ones, but yeah. um, I don't think it hurts him with his base. No. Um, I'll say uh, Julian Castro, going to put it out there as a winner as well. I I thought he was great in the first debate, and I think he continued it here. I still, I'm not sold on him being a legit contender in this, but I like what he's doing. I think he's got a very bright He's got a future. future. Yeah. He, you know, you look at some of these guys, even Beto didn't do great. We talked about Pete, uh, Castro. We're in good shape going forward. I mean, this this is a younger movement yeah. there, and it's, um, it's great. And then this one, I'm actually going to put Cory Booker up there as a winner as well. He did well. I think he did much better round two than he did round one. You could tell he was more comfortable. Definitely. Kind and of the setting, the format. And he called out a Yogsborough up the fact that Obama had been brought up during the debate. And, you know, Booker kind of took Biden to task on that, saying that, you know, you can invoke President Obama and how you two are buds and you work together on this. But there are some policies that Obama made that people disagree with. And you have to own that, too. You can't just take the good. You have to own the bad as well. And I think that's it's a good message, whether or not that resonates, because... It's There's that, a lot of people that don't want to see Obama disparage in a world where Donald Trump's president. Correct. And so, like Yag just said, that's probably not the hill to die on right, right now. Right. I agree. The big news coming out of it, though, was uh, Gabbard and Harris, right? That was yeah. the... And uh, Gabbard, I'm not a fan of hers by any means. No, me neither. Uh, but she systematically kind of took her down. And, and again, we're coming off the debates the first time where Harris was the outright winner. Absolutely. She wasn't probably debatable at that point, not to pun intended. Mm -hmm. But Gabbard really went after and Harris kind of taking us back to when Harris was first doing the town halls and are on this podcast. We talked about sometimes she would get hit with a question. She's like, yeah, we should discuss that. And she wasn't really prepared yeah. to give an answer in time. Not as good on her feet. She got punched again in the face on this one and, and wasn't ready to take that hit. Yeah. Um, she didn't handle it. Well, kind of mumbled, stuttered through it. And, um, you know, where I had her really high up coming out of the last one, this one knocked her down some notches. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard really came out swinging for Harris. And she and needs to go away, too. Now. I, I agree. I don't Good think job Tulsi, by you and get out of here. <laughs> I don't think Tulsi Gabbard has any future in these debates. But she really did take Harris to task. Um, she came with her opposition research in hand. Yeah. And really attacked Harris's record on both uh, health care and criminal justice reform. Marijuana. And yeah. And the really laughing. And yeah, she did a great job. Gabbard did, that is. Harris, I have to put into loser column because of the great job that Gabbard did attacking her, but also because she had set the bar so high. And I know on our debate preview, 
uh, Dennis and Yogs had put um, Biden as their favorite in the debate. And I think I, I picked Harris just to, to be different from the crowd. But it um, also made sense. You had facts behind you because yeah. she did great. The but first she one. yeah, she just didn't live up to that high bar. So I guess we'll see how she does next round. And well, here's the scary thing about it. We came out of that last one really thinking and a lot of this has to be who's going to go toe to toe with Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. And if she wasn't ready for that. I mean, you know, not that Donald Trump himself is going to look up these facts and have this information to attack her on, but he's going to be armed with it on a teleprompter somewhere. Yeah. And uh, if she wasn't ready for that, it scares me if she was, you know, one-on-one with him because he's going he's gonna to do it dirtier than Gabbard did. And then, um, honestly, I liked a lot of what Andrew Yang said in this round. I really liked the guy. I, I think he was really good. He doesn't have my vote for president, but I wouldn't mind seeing him in a cabinet position. I, I loved the one thing that he... Well, a few things, but in particular, he mentioned the fact that racial tensions are high and people are afraid of immigrants taking jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And in Detroit, Motor City, he made a point. He's like, if you go into a factory right now, you're not going to see immigrants. You're going to see robots yep. building cars. Correct. And I think that message is a solid one and one that people really need to be hitting home with for the Democrats. You've got to make everyone aware of the fact that especially in light of these shootings that immigrants are not an invading force coming to take your jobs and your livelihood like that's just not realistic yeah we're in a very analytical time now kind of for everything sports everything it's kind of crept into he's definitely the most prepared for that i mean his he's coming with stuff the problem is we're probably not ready for that in that position right but when it starts coming down and we're losing jobs to more and more jobs to um, automation he's got some ideas that are probably the most helpful out of everybody so he like you said he definitely needs to be in a position with our next democratic president that's pretty high up there because you know a lot of the stuff he talks about has got to be taken seriously one one thing that stands out about andrew yang though is it's his intelligence, and we've been lacking that for a long time now. When you see someone who has smart ideas and speaks about things, Obama's that, pretty intelligent. No, I agree with that, but he's <laughs> such a long time ago now that you know. Yeah. So you're saying over the last three years? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we've kind of forgotten that, and it's his. He's got ideas, and he's he's smart, and it's kind of refreshing to see. He's definitely smart, and check out his website. We'll link to it in the footnotes. Um, He was another, like, Warren that came with the policy early and often. Uh, His website's been fully fleshed out for a long time, and he's got just links upon links of topics you can click and see his ideas on, which is nice. You get a a pretty good picture of the guy. I want to see him and Pete play Jeopardy. That'd be fun. (laughs) I'd watch that. Can we do that instead of the next round of debates with 20 people and just have the two of them do that? So can we talk about that real quick? Talking about the next round of debates. So basically they're saying if it's 10 or under, they're going to keep it as one night. Okay. If it's over 10, they're going to split it in half. So there's a good chance we're going to see another 10-person stage for this. Would you feel better if it was split five and five again over two nights, or are you okay with ah, that? Ah, okay. I want to see all 10 on stage together with a longer debate. So just one more time, let's just give me another hour on top of it. Make them debate. Make them debate three, four hours. I don't care uh, if it's ten people. I think ten is actually a decent number. Okay. Um, I do want to hear other points points of view. Yeah. And hopefully that shapes some kind of cohesive platform for everyone to um, coalesce around. I'm actually hoping for 12. You so want 12? You want to do six and six? I yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just think it's, we're not really digging into this. It's so quick and people are talking over each other and being cut off. I think 
Now I'm kind of hoping more people get donations and get on that stage. I would really like to see them at the beginning of these debates when they've got millions and millions of people watching all of them to stop and say, we're not going to answer these questions. Here's what needs to be happening. And just kind of all kind of come together for a minute and be like, why aren't we voting on that? Just pick something like the gun thing and just all of them be like, don't ask us questions right now. For the first 20 minutes, this is what we want to discuss. And all of them put it out there and just hijack it for a minute because why not? And see what happens. Make that be the news cycle. So that caps off our uh, debate debrief, which brings us to our fake news of the week. This week's fake news is going to be about Tucker Carlson, who's a frequent flyer in the fake news segment here. We'll have to go back and look. I think he probably holds the spot for yeah, this. Yeah, I would say. He, he pops up here a lot. So I think it was uh, this past Tuesday. He went on a nice little rant about white supremacy. It sounds like something got in his bonnet, you know? He just is a little, little upset. Someone touched a nerve calling out white supremacy in this country because he was very, very upset that people are talking about it. Hoax, he said. Hoax. He said it's uh, a complete hoax, a conspiracy theory used to divide the country and keep a hold on power. I'm sorry. The Republicans are in power right now. That's what fucking stuck out the most to me. I'm like, what do you mean? What power are we trying to hold on to? Conspiracy theory. Yeah. What are he thinks Democrats are using this as conspiracy theory to divide the country? What world are you living in, Tucker? Is it to hold on to all the quarter ponies we put in? Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> They've done that. I guess just the House where they are neutered by a Senate that won't pass any of their bills. Yeah, that power is going great. Yeah. Let's Fantastic. hold on to that for as long as possible. I, I couldn't believe he had the, the gall to say all this stuff. Well, it's Tucker Carlson, so I guess I should believe it. Uh, and then he goes on to say, like, the whole thing is a lie. The concept of white supremacy he's talking about is a lie. Not a problem here. He says it's, quote, (laughs) actually not a real problem in America. The combined membership of every white supremacist organization in this country would be able to fit inside a college football stadium, end quote. Okay. That's a lot of people. I mean, Uh, yes, some college stadiums hold 100,000. LSU and University (laughs) of Michigan hold like 110,000 people. 130 on the right night. (laughs) Yeah. So ignoring that fact... Let's talk about some facts that Tucker's also ignoring. Men like the suspect in the El Paso case aren't members of an organization. It's an ideology. They need to stop thinking about this as if it's a gang and start thinking about it as if it's like ISIS. He, I mean, Tucker Carlson, of all people, should know damn well what extremism looks like. He rails against Muslim extremists all the time, Islamic extremists. No, they want and, us to think if it's not MS-13... That it's not a real thing. Yeah. That it's scattered, not well-connected. And like you said, a lot of these people, myself included before this was going on, don't know about 4chan and 8chan and a lot of stuff on the God dark bless web, you right? for not. But I'm just <laughs> saying, that's that's a scarier than a gang in a, lot of, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, a decentralized ideology where anyone can just pick up a mantle and execute an attack. At least gangs have a leader where they're... I mean, I'm, I'm right. not bigging up gangs here by any right, means, right. but at least they have a leader where if you kind of step out of line on what you're doing, there's consequences. There are absolutely no consequences with these guys, right? They're yeah. just running out there and people cheer and move on. Yeah. The white supremacists are not like the mafia where you can decapitate it at the leadership level and then everything kind of falls apart. Right. This is so much worse. All it takes is one person... To go out there and read one of these propaganda pieces and get convinced that, you know, maybe white people are being exterminated and or pick up a some gun. white genocide. And then all of a sudden they're picking up a gun and shooting up a Walmart. Tucker Carlson knows this too. I'm sure of it. 
He's not a dumb guy, but he knows his audience, and he's going to play up those fears. And Tucker Carlson himself is a white supremacist. I'm okay I would say that. hot take, but not hot take. Not really a hot take. Just going based on his show. You don't believe me? Go watch. No, actually, don't watch a show. It's garbage. But if you really don't, don't believe me. Don't give him the ratings. Go and watch. Listen to what he's saying, especially his episodes when he talks about immigrants and people of color. This is the guy that had an entire episode segment diverted to why diversity does not make America great. So, yeah, that's, come at me with your Tucker Carlson. That takes. sticks with him forever. <laughs> this is a full double down on this, though. I mean, he went like all in with two seven offsuit here. I mean, he's yeah, right. This this can't look good on him. You got to attack the money. If you are advertising on his show, like. Guys, don't buy the stuff. Whatever, whoever their advertisers are, don't like hit them where the money. My pillow. Is. Don't buy my pillow. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we should get a list of his advertisers on there because that's what the you, Sleeping Giant does. If you have, if you're not familiar with them, the Sleeping Giant on follow them on Twitter. They will link check that up. in on white supremacist groups and groups like Breitbart, like far right wing publications that spread hate, and they publicize who their advertisers are. And we've seen this week. That the Republicans hate it when it's pointed out who's funding this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, the attacks on Castro and his brother for pointing out the big donors from San Antonio for uh, Trump. Yep. Talking about, like, we're doing, exposing something crazy when it's all free public information. Yeah. Um, you know, they got really in a tizzy about that. So let's let's point out who's who's funding this stuff. Yeah. And last thing on Tucker Carlson here, because if you don't want to take it from me that this is a growing threat and a real problem in America. There's a, a few things I want to point out, actually. Uh, in Australia, headline in the Sydney Morning Herald says, the U.S. is in the midst of a white nationalist terrorism crisis. That's their headline. That's how the rest of the world is viewing us right now. One of our allies. We're a joke. And then we have FBI Director Christopher Wray back in July, just before the El Paso attack, saying that domestic terrorism threats are on the rise and that the FBI takes these threats extremely seriously. This is something that are, they actively investigate. So I'm sorry, Tucker, but whether you like it or not, people are calling you out for this bullshit. And thankfully, the FBI and other intelligence agencies are taking this seriously. And I'm glad you brought up the fact that they actively investigate that because the Trump administration actually pulled funding from investigating these things, from making this uh, kind of a focus. Um, they only want us to you know, investigate outside the country, not, not look inside at us because they know exactly who's doing this. Yep. It's scary to me. I think every single time, and I, I wonder if you do this, you just hope every time and it's sick that the shooter's not Mexican, yeah. Muslim, black. Because it'll be used as propaganda. Because they will, then it'll be on Fox News, morning through night, CCC. And guess what? It's undefeated. It's always a white white guy. <laughs> it's just yeah. it, every time. Um, but every time, that's my first thought. Like, oh, God. Because if that, that was a Muslim it's that morbid, did that in El Paso, yeah. guess what? The ban's back. We're closing our borders mm -hmm. today. Um, but they won't even hold a vote on the gun gun safety stuff. Nope. It's it's sick. It's weird they don't have those same arguments when it's when it's a brown person that does the shit. No, then it's thoughts and prayers. We would not get thoughts and prayers yeah. if that was thoughts and prayers. Yeah. If that was a Mexican in El Paso, there would be no thoughts and prayers. Yeah. There would be action, closed border, who knows what else. So that brings us to the end of our episode where we're gonna close out with some rapid fire things to keep an eye on. Just two topics today. 
Number one is that Trump signed the 9-11 responders bill to fund their health care for the next forever, and which is great news. And we touched on this multiple times on our episodes, but I wanted to bring it up because Donald Trump just couldn't help making it about himself. He never really can help himself. He decided to lie at the signing about being down at ground zero, and he lied about it in front of actual 9-11 first responders. He said, quote, I was down there also, but I'm not considering myself a first responder, but I was down there. I spent a lot of time down there with you, end quote. Yeah, you know why you shouldn't consider yourself a first responder? Because you're fucking not. And that's so despicable that he'd say that in front of legitimate heroes that risk their lives to do this. And I wish this had got more play in the media because it got buried by every other shitty thing he did that week. It's also a fact everybody came out and said there was no way he could have got close. He's, who is he um, at that point? You know how crazy Tucker Carlson's rant was that this wasn't the fake news? Yeah, right. Yeah, this had to get relegated to this section. It's, it's actually kind of insane. That's disgusting. And two things came out of this. They kept playing the loop where he talked about now his building's the tallest after that happened, which was just the fact that that man became president is Yeah, it should have been insane. disqualifying right there. The funny thing that came out of all the memes of him down there throwing paper towels like he did in Puerto Rico, oh. that was kind of funny. But he was not pulling people out of the wreckage down there. Nor was he hiring people to do so, as he likes to claim, because there's no records of that. And that whole area was shut down pretty tight, as you would imagine it would be, by the federal government. And everyone had to have clearance and badges. And guess what? Donald Trump and his people, nowhere on those records. So, Do you think he tried to do that so he could get some of those first, uh, the, the bill for the first responders money? You know how they're paying people that were down there for first response for the medical That's issues. conspiracy theory territory. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I was joking. It's a joke. Wouldn't put it past him, but it's a yeah. joke. So yeah, I mean, stolen valor is a serious thing. Gross. Morally, and just so disgusting that he'd even try to insert himself in this situation. It's on brand. Yeah, but yeah, very on brand. So last topic then, just going to bring up the fact that a federal judge who happens to be a George W. Bush appointee is considering releasing the unredacted Mueller report. He says that this report, unredacted, is at odds with both Donald Trump and our Attorney General William Barr's claims that there was no collusion. So that'll be a fascinating read if we ever get to our hands on that. That brings us to the close of another episode of the Drinking Liberally podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. You can check out our footnotes on our website at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. And of course, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It goes a long way to getting us in front of new listeners. So we truly appreciate everyone that's already done so. Thanks a lot for listening. LFGM and cheers.